Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday, podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and checking it out wherever you're listening around the world. Appreciate you doing so. And this week, I am coming to you from the Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida, a place that I've been to many, many times. Always great to me here. This place is under massive renovation, about to build a whole other hotel tower that's going to be the shape of a guitar, and they got the Super Bowl here in a year or two, and now they have naming rights on the stadium here in Miami, so a lot of uh, big stuff happening at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida, and it's always great to be here, and uh, these guys are always so good to me and have been for many years. I was just at the Hard Rock in Tampa for the first time. I did my radio show there from a couple of days, and the reason why I'm in Florida is because I'm in between cruises at the time I'm recording this, which would be the Saturday before you're hearing it. So this posts on Thursday. Uh, the day that this posts, I will be on the Monsters of Rock cruise. So you are getting this, uh, I'm doing this open for you the previous Saturday so that I could get it over to Katie and we could get it up and out for you for a brand new episode. And I got a great interview for you this week, Joe Perry of Aerosmith. So that's coming up in just a minute. But at the time that uh, I'm recording this open, like I said, I just got off the uh, the progressive rock cruise, Cruise to the Edge. Great time on that. Thanks to all the bands. Thanks to all the fans. Thanks to all the people who helped me out there and were a part of that cruise. The artists that came over and did interviews with me, I did my radio show on Sirius XM from the cruise ship. That went incredibly well. No problems technically. It's always pretty amazing when you can pull off a live national broadcast from a cruise ship, but the engineers and everybody from the folks at Sirius XM to the people at Royal Caribbean who worked hard to make that happen, I am appreciative of that, and those same people will be helping me make the... Uh, 
the broadcast will probably maybe that you've just heard for the last week because again I'm doing this open a few days out and uh, just before I get on the Monsters of Rock cruise but if you listen to my show on Sirius XM you know the last four days I've been broadcasting from the cruise ship for Monsters of Rock which of course covers 80s hard rock very much in my world as opposed to Cruise to the Edge which as I've said many times I'm not a big prog guy. I respect it. I appreciate it. But it's not my music, so to speak. But the audience for that music is incredibly loyal. And I do like learning about it and being part of that cruise. And that was a lot of fun to do. I had members of Yes on the show. I had Marillion on the show. I had uh, some new up-and-coming bands like Io Earth. A lot of interesting uh, bands to learn about that you know that that discovery of music which is so cool to do as part of uh, cruise to the edge and before that the, what i'm on now is the third cruise in like a month and a half because before that it was of course the uh the moody blues cruise which i also broadcast from so when you're hearing this i'm on my last day if you're hearing this on the day of post my last day on board the monsters of rock cruise and i'll be getting back on friday flying home and I'll be home for a couple of weeks doing radio and all the usual stuff that I do. And then uh, the first of several trips to the Tulsa area, including March 3rd, the first one, which will be headed to Tulsa to the IDL Ballroom. And there I will be hosting an evening with Slaughter performing. Also coming up, shows there with LA Guns and Striper. All of the dates are on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. All of my appearances are there. So be sure to check that out. And if you're in the Tulsa area, come and say hello. IDL Ballroom. Tickets at Stubwire for all of those shows. And I thank my friend Doug Burgess for having me out there so often to host those shows. And always good to uh, to be in Tulsa with the great rock fans that I've gotten to know in the 11 years I've been going there, ever since the first Rocklahoma back in 07. And I will be back there again for Rocklahoma this year coming up on Memorial Weekend. So lots of good stuff going on in that area of the country. Some other things uh, as well. I'm coming back to Houston to the Proof Rooftop Lounge. And I'll be hosting a Tom Kiefer show there. That's also on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Everything is as, con- as it's confirmed as far as appearances, as usual, on the homepage of my site. Keep an eye open as it changes often. And be sure to follow on Twitter, where I would be most active, at Eddie Trunk. There's also an Instagram and a Facebook, which is just simply my name as well. Uh, a few other things to tell you guys about before we get into the interview this week, as I'm just trying to think... What I might be forgetting. Oh, I'm uh, really excited to announce that finally starting movement again on my new TV show, which uh, if you were listening last year, I started shooting this, a brand new TV series for Access TV called Trunk Fest, covering music festivals around the country and now around the world. I shot four episodes already, and four to six more will be done, and then it'll start rolling out as a series a little later on this year. And coming up, I'm going to be doing an episode in Mexico, an episode in New York. There's a bunch of more festivals coming up that I'll be covering The what goes on around them. This show is not so much about who's playing and artist interviews, but more about what goes on around these music festivals, which there are so many of all over the world. And it will be, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun when you guys get a chance to see this. Totally different than that metal show, but I hope that um, you guys will enjoy it just the same if you do have Access TV. By the way, Access TV on TV grids comes up as AXS. That's how it's spelled. 
A lot of people, when I tell them they're unfamiliar with the channel, they, they, they look for different spellings of it. The spelling, if you're looking for it on your TV grid, is AXS TV. They are not on every cable system. Some you have to buy up to the other tier, kind of like VH1 Classic was. And some they are on the main tier. Some they are not carried at all on the cable system. So check your local listings, as they say. Call your cable companies. Worry about it more when the show gets ready to launch, and I'll tell you when that is. It probably won't premiere until I would think at this point sometime in the summer. But I'm excited to start working on that again. Of course, The Daily Show, Monday through Friday, on volume, channel 106 is live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time and replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And that is where these interviews originate from that you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Also, one last note here. Don't forget, if you are going and shopping on Amazon.com, always start with my page, which uh, is very easy to remember. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Start on that page. You'll see some items handpicked by me that you might be interested in. And then go on to Amazon and shop wherever you want. But I appreciate it if you would start on that page. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. And uh, I think that about covers it as far as the open stuff for this week. I'm going to get into our interview now in just a second. And it is with Joe Perry. Joe Perry, of course, a founding member and uh, guitarist of Aerosmith, one of my all-time favorite bands. It's always a huge thrill for me when I get a chance to to talk to Joe Perry, spend some time with Joe Perry, when Joe Perry wants to talk to me. We've done a lot of cool stuff over the years together. It's it's an amazing thing for me to be able to say I know guys that literally were my heroes growing up, that I literally had their posters on my wall growing up. And that is the case with Aerosmith and and really all the guys over the years. Pr- probably the guy I know the least in the band is actually Steven, although I've met him a couple times and it's always been really cool. But Joe Perry had me do his book launch when it came out a couple years ago. I did the first ever book event with him, and I've done a lot of cool stuff with the Aerosmith camp over the years. And it's, uh, it's always a big thrill when they reach out to me and want to do something. And Joe wanted to reach out to talk about his brand new solo record, which has just come out, which you'll hear about in the interview. It's pretty funny because Joe Perry was actually upset uh, that I, he thought when we were doing this interview, he was in L.A. and the Sirius XM studios there. I was in the studios in New York, and he thought that I was going to be in L.A. and we were going to be sitting face to face. So he was. He said it more than one time. He was upset that he didn't get a chance to see me in person. And then we texted afterwards, and he said the same thing, which is very, very kind of him. And again, I say this all the time. I mean, the guys from the eighties. They are, uh, they're artists that I love. Don't get me wrong, but I grew up with them. We grew up in the business at the same time. The guys from the seventies. Those are the guys as a little kid that give me that extra jolt and talking to Joe Perry or anybody from Aerosmith or any of those bands that were so important to me as a little kid. Those are the ones that really, really are special days for me. And spending that time with Joe Perry that you're about to hear can't take this stuff for granted. You know, I mean, these guys are getting up there. Unfortunately, every day we're hearing of people passing away and we, we have to enjoy every moment that we still have with some of these great legends that are still among us in the world of rock. So Joe Perry of Aerosmith joining me in just a second on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. One last thing, though. Speaking of people passing away, I did want to mention the passing of Pat Torpy of Mr. Big. Pat Torpy, just 64 years old, the drummer in the band, 
a guy that was uh, probably safe to say sort of an unsung hero in Mr. Big. Mr. Big, a huge band outside of America. Here in America, they had their moment, but outside of the U.S., especially Japan, South America, huge band. And I was just talking to Billy Sheehan a few days before Pat Torpy died because we were on the Monsters of Rock, uh, the Cruise to the Edge together, where I saw uh, Sons of Apollo, who are amazing, by the way. That's another story. But Billy was just talking on my radio show and privately and publicly saying to me that he could not see Mr. Big continuing if Pat Torpy was not up for it or uh, was not physically able to do it. For those that don't know, Pat was battling Parkinson's. And he was, uh, by all accounts, up for the battle. And it was crazy because Billy had said to me over the... I did not know Pat Torpy well. I only met him a couple times. He was always a super nice guy, but I did not know him well. But Billy had said to me that Pat had started to get better from the Parkinson's, which is unheard of. It's not something that normally would happen. Usually you don't get better from that. And as a credit to Mr. Big and Billy Sheehan and that whole camp, while Pat battled Parkinson's, they never sat him down and excluded him from the band. They kept him a member of the band. They brought in a drummer named Matt Starr to play the bulk of the set, but they included Pat in the shows. They included him on stage. They let him do as much as he could. I mean, they really stood behind this guy, and I thought that was really admirable. And Billy had said that he just can't, could not see Mr. Big continuing if Pat was not able to do it anymore. And literally days later, I got a call from Billy Sheehan on, um, it would have been Friday morning, this past Friday morning. And Billy told me that, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, phone goes on and it's a voicemail from Billy Sheehan. And he tells me that Pat had passed away and to hold on to the news until it went public. But uh, actually, it was Thursday morning. I, I'm sorry, I had wrong wrong timeline there. And of course, I did out of respect to the family. But Billy was devastated, and by all account, if if what Billy said is accurate, I mean that could mean the end of Mr. Big because these guys said they really couldn't see continuing without Pat. Uh, Pat, when I say a little bit of an unsung hero, you've got a band that's got Paul Gilbert and Billy Sheehan in it, two literal literal virtuosos of music. So in a lot of ways, Pat may have been the overlooked guy. But remember, this is a guy that uh, was playing with Billy Sheehan as the other part of that rhythm section. So he was certainly an accomplished drummer, as well as by every measure, a tremendously nice guy. I've heard from people who have reached out to me since Pat Torpy died and just said, you know, this guy was just unbelievably kind and a great person and are really shaken by this news. So we all know how this works in, in celebrity and music and TV. The bigger the name, the bigger the artist, the more outcry when somebody passes away. But a guy like Pat Torpy, I mean, his, his loss is just as, just as monumental to his family, his friends and the fans of Mr. Big. So I wanted to take a moment to remember him on the podcast and also just found out Craig McGregor, the bassist from the band Foghat passed away. 
And sorry to hear that news as well. I did not know Craig McGregor at all, but I can tell you I was always a really big Foghat fan. I loved that band. I never really talk about them that much, but I love their live record and some of their other stuff. When I was younger and in high school and stuff, I was really into Foghat. So sad to hear about the news of Craig McGregor passing away. We're just, um, you know, here we are already into the, the second month of 2018. And sadly, we're starting to see this trend continue of some legendary rock artists or just musicians in general passing away. And in, in the instance of Craig, and certainly in the instance of Pat Torpy, way, way too young. The initial report said Pat Torpy was 58. He actually, that was an error. He was actually 64. But still, way, way too young to, to pass away. And Pat had, by all accounts, waged a tremendous battle uh, with Parkinson's, but ultimately lost that battle uh, earlier this week. So again, condolences to his family and friends and his bandmates. And the same goes to Craig McGregor of Foghat with that news coming down just a few days ago as well. All right, let's uh, get a quick break here. And then we will get into this week's podcast interview. Again, Joe Perry of Aerosmith talking about his new solo record, talking about the potential future of Aerosmith, talking about, I asked him about collapsing on stage, maybe for the first time he's ever had that question. And you can hear it's something he, it's interesting how he answers it. That's a really revealing, revealing part of this interview. And, um, you know, obviously he didn't want to talk about it, but I read into it what you will when you hear him address that. And also Johnny Depp, you know, he's part of that Hollywood vampires thing with Johnny Depp. And I uh, talked to him a little bit about Johnny Depp and his ability as a musician and uh, some some stuff about him. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. How could you not? It's one, it's one of our true living legends. Joe Perry of Aerosmith is next on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. Like a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car, well, that'll improve your gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey, y'all, this is Matt. And Michelle from Thug Kitchen here to tell you about our new show, Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast exclusively on Podcast One. We're stepping out of the kitchen and into your earbuds every week to discuss food, politics, pop culture. Basically, we're just trying to give a and do better. Get your shit together with us every Thursday on Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast right here on Podcast One. Download and listen to new episodes exclusively on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, y'all. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. 
I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Paracash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash Paracash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Okay, let's get into our interview this week. Again, all of my interviews come courtesy of my daily radio show on Sirius XM Channel 106 Volume. The show is Trunk Nation. Hear it Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 Eastern, replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and also hear full shows on demand on the Sirius XM app. And I hope you guys uh, listen to it and enjoy it. And if you don't, have Sirius XM, well, you get a tiny little taste of what I do on a daily basis there here on the podcast. And this week, I'm bringing you my interview with Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Joe was in L.A. I was in my home studio in New Jersey. And I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Here it is. Joe, welcome. How are you, man? I'm well. Um, better than you when you asked me 10 minutes ago, actually. <laughs> I had some coffee. You told me you were upset that I wasn't there physically because I know you said you wanted to see me and I, I would have well, liked to see you as well. Well, I would have expected, you know, I, I, just naturally, I don't know why, but, you know, I would have thought you were going to be here. But, uh, you know, like I said, everybody was saying, oh, you say hi to Eddie for me, you know, when you, you know, and I thought we we're going to, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. So you're in New York. Uh- I mean, New yeah, Jersey, I would, so. Yeah, I wish, I, w- I guarantee you the weather's a lot better where you are. I would have easily gotten on a plane and flown to L.A. if somebody wanted me out there to do it. But unfortunately, Joe, I was, I am, yeah, I'm on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast. But it's, it's always good to talk to you, man. And congrats on the new record and all the great buzz that's happening in the live shows. How's it felt to have this record out so far? Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to stand back and look. I mean, uh I've been in the studio for the last three or four days with uh, Tommy and Johnny and uh, working on the new Vampires record. So I haven't been paying much attention to what's going on. You know, um, I get reports here and there and like, you know, I don't have a computer, so I don't get any emails. I really don't know what's going on, except that I know that I was in the studio way too late last night. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. Well, we'll get to the vampires in a second because I actually just saw Tommy Hendrickson out at NAM last weekend because I was out. I was just on the West Coast, but I'm obviously not anymore. But Tommy was just talking about working on the vampires record. So I want to get to some stuff on that. But as far as your your record, you've done a couple live shows. We should tell people that Joe's uh, Joe's latest solo album, uh, Switzerland Manifesto, features some guest vocalists. Joe sings on it as well. And it's out now. Joe, talk about putting this record. You've done some solo records recently. Talk about putting this one together because your son worked on it with you as well, right? Yeah, they they uh, came into the into the project a little bit later on. Yeah, that um, Tony mixed it. Tony, my, my uh, second youngest, um, mixed the record flat out. You know, he had some. Um, he's just got a he's got a great ear. So uh, yeah, he mixed it, and uh, I also wrote wrote a, one of the songs with him, and one of the songs with his brother Roman. Actually, a couple of my favorite ones. The one that the one that Chris Robinson sang on is the one that I wrote with Tony. 
So you have some. You mentioned Chris Robinson, of course, from Black, the Black Crows, among the guests you have on this record. Besides you singing on the record, take us through that a little bit. Starting with Chris, how did you decide to get him involved? Did he reach out to you? Was was he somebody you wanted to work with? How did that happen? Well, um, I mean, all the guys that, that sang on it are, are, you know, on my A list. Obviously, of, um, I'm a fan of all of them. You know, um, Terry and and. And of course, David and I go back right to the beginning, you know, uh, at Max's Kansas City. So we've, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, David Johansson, we should tell people you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, as it turned out, the, uh, the, the, short, the, the short version is uh, we had, uh, had a bunch of tracks that we were kind of massaging and they started to feel like songs. And uh, Jack Douglas stuck his head in the window. Or the, actually in the curtain, he was coming up every once in a while just to see what was going on. Um, and he just made some suggestions like, uh, hey, why don't you bring David in, you know, and uh, why not? You know, I haven't, it's a good excuse to hang out with him, you know, I haven't, been, I haven't seen him in a while. And he came in and sang, some, sang two or three songs and, and uh, it sounded, sounded great, so... The next person he suggested was uh, uh, Terry Reed, and uh, I was all over that. I mean, I couldn't wait to, to meet him and hear how he how he was uh, how he was doing. And he came in and spent some, you know, spent about a week there and and, and nailed three or four songs. It, and now, so me, now let me it, let me jump in. Let, to form. Yeah, let me jump and in that, real quick on that because I want to ask you about Terry Reed because in I don't think a lot of people in the U.S. know who Terry Reed is and his history, but it's a pretty expansive history. Can you give everybody that doesn't know who Terry Reed is a little bit of, of, of what he's about and where he comes from and how you know about him? Well, um, yeah, I can do that. You want me to start now? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, in, in the late 60s, you know, there's so many bands coming out of England, and, and you know, that's where all the best music was coming from, I thought. And uh, um, and I heard about this guy Terry Reed. You know, people were coming back from London and, um, with with all the English records, and uh, there was this cat called, and they called him Super Lungs, and uh, the word was out that that Led Zeppelin wanted him. Um, you know, he was he was on the top of the list. Um, almost everybody. I mean, I heard that Jeff Beck wanted him. Uh, all, you know, all the all the bands that were like shifting around, they they wanted him. You know, the faces. I heard a lot of things, um, and so you know, when I got got a chance to hear his uh, his stuff um, that was released in England, I mean, he was amazing. I mean, there's a reason they call him Super Lungs, and uh, and then for some reason he just never uh, never broke here in the states. But you know, as a you know. Obviously, studying and listening to everything that came came from England at, at that point, um, you know, I was very uh, aware of him, and uh, but I never had a chance to hear him live or meet him until he came in the studio. Um, oh wow! So on six, this record was the ago. first time you dealt with him, huh? This is the that was the first yeah. time you got to know him, and it and you even met him. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but Jack thought that you know some of the tunes would would be a good fit, and. Uh, you know, we came in and we hung out and 
again, he spent about a week there, and uh, he'd listen to, to some of the tunes and go back and work with Jack on some lyrics, and next day he'd belt it out. And man, he, he's got the pipes. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Were you concerned that a guy that obviously is, is not... You know, a lot of singers, I mean, you have an exception in your own band in Aerosmith and Steven that can still sing with the best of them, which is kind of an anomaly because a lot of singers, as they get older, can't do what you remembered them doing, Steven being one of the exceptions. Were you worried that Terry coming in might not be the same voice that you had listened to and liked when he was much younger? Well, you know, Jack and I have, well, you know, uh, for the people out there that don't know who Jack Douglas is, he produced all the Aerosmith records in the 70s and, and yeah. has helped us all. I mean, we've worked together on different projects over the years. And, you know, um, when he said... And Terry the last Aerosmith around, record, too, yeah. Yeah, and he said, uh, Terry lives in, in Palm Springs. or You know, what's that city out there to the east that everybody goes to from L.A.? It's in the desert. Palm, is that Palm Springs? Probably, yeah. All right, well, that's it. It's good enough. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he lives there, and I guess he's been he's doing gigs out, you know, and d- doing his stuff. And Jack said he's, you know, he's singing great. And uh, so, you know, knowing Jack, I, I wouldn't have thought he would right. have brought him in if he wasn't going to, you know, do what he did. But frankly, I was I was surprised. You know, I mean, I I remember his old stuff, but man. He, he was he's a classic he, i mean he, he when we were at rehearsal he uh one of his singles was that song bang bang um and he does a version of that you know just he just got up got up picked up a guitar and, and played it like like just that was it and it was just everybody was stopped in their tracks man he, he gave it up and uh hey he, he he's really he's he's got it man you know, he really blew me away. So anyway, he he was another, another you know kind of uh, color or vibe to the record. You know, because um, th- there are different songs on it. There's the di- different kind of attitude. Uh, um, it's still you know basically rock, but um, the stuff that that he sang on, he he really had that that um, I could see why Jimmy wanted him in, in Zeppelin. You know, I mean, he, he, the way he used his voice as an instrument, it was, it was really, really great working with him. Let me ask you about, let me go down the line of some of the other guest singers, because speaking of guys that also seem to be ageless with their voice and what they do, you've you've had him out live with you a little bit, and he's he's on the record as well, and that's Robin Zander. I know you, Cheap Trick and Aerosmith have toured often over the years, so Robin, was he just an, a guy that, that immediately came to you as somebody you'd like to have guest on the record? Well... Yeah, I mean, we've we've been friends with those guys ever since. You know, Jack actually Jack produced their, um, I think their first record or their first second record, and he he we met through him um, in the late seventies, and we've been f- friends and we've toured together and, and jammed and played and been on other people's records. In fact, when I met Rick, it was uh, to play on. Uh, Gene Simmons solo record mm-hmm. uh, and we were at Cherokee Studios and we bumped into each other and uh, you know and I 
told him what a fan I was, and and you know, so we it goes back that far. And so I've always loved Robin. I mean, he's an amazing singer, and we've jammed together and played and and stuff. And um, he he was certainly somebody I've wanted to work with. And he he heard I was working on this 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 album, and he said, "Man, I got this idea in my head." And he sang it to me over the radio for the the the, uh, uh, the chorus. And I, and I, and he said, "I think this is this is right up your alley. I, I think we should get together and do it." And uh, so he came up when he had uh, he he had some time. And uh, um, sure enough, it was I I I. I mean, it was it it just it came together so fast. I mean, uh, we were we were actually tracking it that night, and then. Uh, and then he sang on another one, that, another song that's on the record. Um, but I, I, I was the one that, that really like it killed me, man. He, he just blew blew me away. Again, every all these songs were like basically written, except for the, this one, Robbins. But um, all the other songs, I mean, I, I was going to do an instrumental record, so I had all these songs laid out, and uh, I was amazed that these a lot these guys would come in and listen to the tracks. And then, you know, come back a day later with a song, you know, fit, finished. So, uh, but this one was, was a, uh, it was really good to work with Robin. He's he's really good, you know. Um, when you get right down to it, he's one of the yeah. best. No doubt. I agree 100%. You, you mentioned earlier David Johansson is on the record as well, and you talked a little, you touched a little bit on your history with him. Can you tell us a little bit about like when you first saw the New York Dolls? I imagine you saw him. Did Aerosmith tour with the Dolls back in the day? Uh-huh. Do you yep. remember it at all? Yeah. Yeah. What was your take um, on the New York Dolls when you first saw them? I figured we're going to have to start wearing tutus. <laughs> I mean, um, in, in high heels. Um, it was actually one of, the, I think it was the second or third time we, we were auditioning at Max's Kansas City in New York. You know, that's kind of what you did back then. You'd go in and you'd play and, and record people would show up and, you know, try and get a record deal or whatever. And uh, um, we were doing the sound check and these guys walk in and they're like, you know, wearing spandex and glitter and, but so, I mean, really, really punk and, uh, uh, I mean, there was no question that they were, you know, macho fucking New York punks, man, even though they were wearing high heels and, and all that, you know, the, the big hair and lipstick and all that. And this was at three in the afternoon and, uh, they were checking us out cause we were, we had just been signed by their, same by the same management company so we were basically stable mates you know and we'd never met them before except they were getting all this amazing press i mean they're they're face it they were a great band and uh and they were they were getting all the all the all the press and with this band from boston came down to try and try and make some noise so they're checking us out we're checking them out and we're thinking well these this is the new big thing and you know we're figuring what what we're going to do now um you know go to the uh what no mac wasn't around then the chanel store and get some makeup or whatever (laughs) just but we were we were more concerned about strings and shit and tuning and stuff (laughs) so um but you know i i i loved them immediately i mean we did our gig that night at max's and then we went down to the mercer art center and watched them play 
and uh, they were great. You know, they were playing all that stuff off the first record, and uh, you know, it, they, they knocked me out. And, Could uh, they play though, Joe? You know, you bring up a good point because you said you were more concerned about your strings and being in tune or whatever you said. I mean, there was a there. I never saw the New York Dolls. They were a little before my time, but a lot of people said that it was the experience, it was the vibe, it was the attitude. But when you really came down to it, and especially in their earliest gigs, they got by on all that and the look because they really they really weren't really great a great band in terms of players and that's probably where you guys in Aerosmith probably had a big part of the upper hand but did you feel that or were you did you feel that they were a good band as players and musicians as well well it's all relative i mean if they can put a song across anybody can can play three chords if they put give something if they add something to it and make it theirs, right? Then, it, then it's good. It's not. It's not about like you know. Well, can you play this scale or that scale or, um, you know, you're playing with a broken string, brother. Um, you know, it's it's about if if you can project the song and and as a band, they had they had some pretty fucking cool songs and they put them across great and they were a great show, and you know, I mean, it was a great. They they were real, you know. Right on the edge. It was really good. And, uh, I mean, the, the critics were calling them the new Rolling Stones, all, all this other stuff. Didn't matter, man, about technique or if you could, uh, like I said, if you, you know, a pentatonic from a uh, supersonic, whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> and they uh, just they just went out there and they rocked. They didn't give a shit. I loved, I loved that, that attitude. And the, their songs were great. David's a great singer. I mean, he's... he's uh, he put so much um, musicality into into it. It's uh, um, it was again. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was really a dream to work with these guys. I mean, each one of they're all guys I listen to all the time. I listen to their records, you know, and uh, and also um, just knowing them, you know, over the years, except for Terry, which was he was like in a class by himself, you know, um, coming from that era. You know, um, so every one of them, it was uh, any if it was just one of them on the record, it would have been enough. But to get, you know, I don't know how many five guys, man, it blows my mind when I think about it. It's like, but it happened, you know, over a course of time. You know, a couple of months went by, and and people were coming in and out. Um, Matt Sorum played drums on one of the songs. Uh, Duff was on one of the songs. Um, a lot of guys just came in and and sat in. It was really an amazing, amazing time. Um, and I was really, I was really thrilled to see that you had Gary Sharon involved as well. I know Gary's on a song on the vinyl version. I know Gary did some a live show or two with you recently. I just saw Gary this past weekend. I mean, I think Gary is even though Gary was, of course, did a record in Van Halen, and of course is well known for being an extreme. I think in a lot of ways he's still somewhat underrated for what a good, a great singer and great frontman he is. So I was really glad to see that you got him not only involved in the record but had him out there on the live shows as well. Talk a little bit about obviously. Boston band a little bit about your history with Gary well um, I think that we might have actually they might have gone with us on, on the, their first big tour um, way back you know when they when they first broke out of Boston or at least it was one of the, one of the first ones and uh, because as it turns out um, Paul Geary who's uh, who was the drummer um, 
quit quit playing drums and started being a manager. He wanted he felt that that's you know he really loved doing that. And over the years, he's 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 been in the business, and finally, um, um, we've been talking, and 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 he said, you know. I'm here anytime you need me. And um, as it turns out, you know, Aerosmith's a lot of work. You know, it's a big machine, and it's a lot for, for anybody. So um, so he's he's my personal manager now. And, uh, of course, we have Trudy from HK, and uh, she's still doing Aerosmith, and, and things are cruising along there. But Paul does my stuff, so he's the drummer and for Extreme, and obviously he knows Gary. So um, I had this track that I wrote with with my son Roman, and uh, it didn't have any vocals on it. And and uh, this was just a month ago or something. And uh, and Paul gave him the the uh, the track and said, you know, if it if it does anything for you, throw it down, you know, and. Uh, Actually, he called and apologized because he didn't ask me beforehand. And, uh, you know, I said, man, don't worry about that, you know. And then when I heard it, I just, I was floored because, you know, I know Gary's a great singer, but when he had that track that was like literally just, it was all the music, and he just came in and and nailed that, I was like, I think, I think I got to do some more work with him. You know, so uh, I was really happy that uh, he's available to do to do those gigs that we just did, and hey, we'll see down the road. I, I think that uh, I mean I'm really excited about doing more with him. Do you want to do more live shows with this band and for this record? Because you know, I saw the set list on that show you did in Vegas, and I was so pumped when I saw some of the old project stuff. I've told you many times I love stuff on "Let the Music Do the Talking" and some of those tunes that you worked in, and some of those deep Aerosmith tracks. I thought that was incredibly cool. Do you want to do more of that, or are you now resetting and focusing on Hollywood Vampires? Um, well, it's kind of. It's, it's really about time. Um, the vampires have a uh, European tour um, this spring, and we're working on getting some new tunes out. We may, you know, it may be an EP. We'll see how how much we can get done. But um, but certainly, if if uh, some some time opens up, um, I'll definitely be be playing more of this record. I hope I can get get these guys. I mean, um, Robert and Dean. Uh, from STP, they're Galeo, they're yeah. launching their their new record, so um, I, I imagine it's going to be hard to to get that lineup. Uh, that that Roxy show, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get that lineup again. You know, all all those cats and all the, all the singings. I mean, it went so smooth, and they were all available. I couldn't believe it. I, in fact, Chris, I didn't know that Chris was going to make it until a week before. And uh, we rehearsed for like five days, and that was it. And uh, amazing. Um, but the, they're all. It was it was great. Terry Terry delivered. Everybody did. It was just so much fun, man. I just I actually lost it, man, at the at the show. I mean, I when I mean when Slash was up there on one side and Johnny was on the other, and and Dean. I mean, it was like I just threw my hands up in the air. And then the next thing I know, my guitar was in pieces. 
<laughs> I, I lost it, man. <laughs> it was a riot. It was I, it was really something, man. I mean, wow. for myself, yeah, it was uh, one of those nights. It's like, um, you know, meeting the president or uh, uh, writing your last alimony check. You know, it's like one of those things you remember. <laughs> well, I'm sure, Joe, the thing about that, though, is every single person that you mentioned from the DeLeo brothers to Slash to everybody else felt that way about being on that stage with you. So there's no question. And I know that for a fact. So I had it had to be a special moment. Hey, Joe, you're talking about Hollywood vampires before and being in the studio with them. Two quick things I wanted to ask you about that. It wasn't too long ago that you played with Hollywood vampires in New York and a, a huge uh, scare went across everybody when you had, you know, when you collapsed on stage there. And I've talked to Alice about it ever since that happened, but I've never heard you talk about it and give your take on exactly what happened there and, uh, you know, what, what went down. Uh, Alice said it was basically just exhaustion, but can you take us through that night and what you were feeling? Mm. Nah. Um, Alice was right. Well, what Alice said was he just said that he didn't realize that Aerosmith did as many show didn't do as many shows in a row as as uh, as as he does, and he felt that it was just too much and just kind of had to scale things back a little bit. So, you agree with Alice's assessment? It just got to be the schedule just became too much for you. No, I think it was my own um, just not not uh, taking care of myself. But you know what's new. Um, that was it. I just, it was exhaustion. I hadn't eaten much, um, or slept much. And, uh, no, I like, I like that schedule playing four nights a week or five nights a week, you know? Um, but it was my own, um, <laughs> as usual, bad judgment. Um, and just, uh, pushing it, burning the candle at both ends, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I went in, went in the hospital, they checked me all out and, totally like yeah i'm all in one piece yep. <laughs> well good that's how we there's want a, you there's, Joe. A, there's a foot on the end of each leg um everything's <laughs> good all right as long as we stay that way that's all we care about hey another another thing on the vampires too i mentioned i was talking to tommy hendrickson over the weekend who i know and we were chatting a little bit at nam on saturday and we were talking about johnny depp who of course is a part of the the band and and, and all that and i was i was saying to tommy you know, one of these days I'd love to just have a music conversation with Johnny because I know he's such a big music fan. But let me ask you this, because I know he plays with vampires. I know you've become close with them. I know that he plays in Marilyn Manson from time to time. Can you talk a little bit about Johnny Depp? Everybody knows him, the talent he is as an actor. But from a musician standpoint, what is he like as a musician and a guitar player? Well, I don't think of him as an actor, really. Um, I think of him as a musician, and his day job is acting. And he just happens to be brilliant at it you know he's kind of fell into it and he'll tell you you know it's like it's it's it wasn't why he came out to la you know but um hey when you when you have the, that kind of gift you can't deny it and uh you know he's he, he he takes it seriously he works works his ass off when he's working but i think of him as a musician you know it's uh um, in fact, I, I mean, I was a fan of his for a long time. And, uh, when I saw the movie Chocolat and, uh, he was playing that, um, that gypsy kind of, uh, folk music and I could tell it was really him playing. I said, uh, someday I got to meet this cat, you know, um, he's the real deal, you know? And then, uh, as fortune had it, um, 
he came down to the studio when we were cutting uh, that rec- that record with Jack, and um, since then we've been friends. Yeah, it's, I've heard that from a lot of people. Tommy has told me the same thing. Alice has said the same thing, and uh, that that that's his that's his real passion. I know you guys. When I, I was in L.A. when Aerosmith played Hollywood Bowl, and there was that after party. I know Johnny was at that. We I talked to him very very briefly, but it's really cool to see a guy that's so you know could easily just continue in the acting thing, be so committed to still wanting to make rock music and to still be a part of of playing out there live from time to time. So hey, I always thought that was really cool. Gets. We've we've jammed twice this week together. Um, wow! We played it at Stevens. Uh, actually, we didn't play there, um, but we did. We did show up at that at Stevens. Um, you know, Janie's house um, um, function, and uh, that was great. Uh, I was really happy. Steven, it was really successful. They they raised a lot of money, but you know, we we went out to see that, and then uh, last night we went with Tommy to to the gig that he had at the. Uh, um, the bowling alley there or what do they call it uh lucky Ultimate strike jam lucky strike right I, I don't know lucky strike and we we went in and uh played some songs with him um actually we were in the studio working and you know it got to be time to leave and tommy came in and said listen you know i don't want to like i don't want to put any pressure on you or anything but you know if you want to come down and uh nah i really really didn't want to um but then I was sitting there going, because the both of them were leaving, and what was I going to do, sit there and do nothing in the studio? So I went, and we jammed. It was great. <laughs> hey, let me so, ask yeah, you... Yeah, Johnny Johnny is definitely, you know, if he, if, if there's, a, there's somewhere he can pick up a guitar and plug in and play, he'll do it. And yeah. he, he plays some of the sweetest slide guitar of anybody I know. Before I run out of time here, Joe, I, I, have to, I have to ask you about Aerosmith. I know you guys did shows in Europe last year that seemed to be really successful. I know in America you've been announced to be a to be on Jazz Fest in New Orleans. So give me the update on Aerosmith. What's the vibe in the band? Is the vibe good? Do you want to do more stuff in the U.S. this year? And is there any chance you guys could make a new record? Um, let's see. Um, shall we take this alphabetically? Um, How's the vibe, first of all, I guess? <laughs> oh, okay, we'll start, start from the back end. Um, the vibe is good. <laughs> yeah, we're getting all... Everybody's, everybody's good. I mean, you know, um, unfortunately, Tom Tom uh, cracked his ankle last week, but he's going to be good good to go for that uh, gig in New Orleans. And uh, Steven's great. You know, I mean, like I said, he just did that gig uh, a couple of days ago. And he's in fine voice, and uh, everything. You know, the band's the band's good, and hopefully we'll, we'll get together and do uh, do some new songs. I don't know if we have the time to do a whole record, but um, Stephen and I have talked about getting together and and you know at least rolling some stuff out. You know, before we start up again next year. So the idea for Aerosmith is to is to tour and maybe go out next year. This year, eighteen is pretty much everybody doing other stuff. Um, I don't know. We may may have some gigs this fall. Um, we're talking about that now, but definitely in uh, 2019 because it's kind of leading up to the to the 50th anniversary, you know. And I, we got to do something special. At least have a cake or something, you know. <laughs> 
And yeah, it's amazing because, like I said, man, not only is the band still so good, because I saw some of the footage from Download and the stuff you just did recently, and it's just amazing how good the band still is. But it's it's so unique, as I'm sure you know, because you can count you can't even count on one hand how many bands still have the same five guys that started it or the original band. I mean, that is unbelievable when you consider that you guys are all still standing, all still alive, all still playing so well. That that I mean, does, do you ever think about how unbelievably unique that is? You can't even think of, besides ZZ Top, I can't think of another band that has that. Well, I mean, for a while, I was, you know, I, yeah, I, I, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. I mean, just hey, look, this business is tough like any other business, but to have it have the kind of like comeback we did um in the 80s and 90s and then have this uh you know we're still doing it it's like i never thought it would be it would be like this and and really so i don't think about it much at all you know i just take it day by day otherwise i feel like i'm pushing my luck do you is there a side of you that feels that the band if you really everybody put all their focus into it could sit down and create another great studio record is there a desire for you to do that do you think the band at this point in your lives are capable of doing that well steven's in the studio he's 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 doing stuff i'm in the studio all the time i mean it's really about um uh, the tempo and the and the schedule i mean obviously you know we've slowed down somewhat from you know how we used to tour but um i mean anything's possible i don't know yet i don't know well, once i get in the studio and, you know and focus on that you know at least for myself I, I don't know i haven't really talked to the other guys about if they've uh you know got like any uh, pearls stashed away but um i think everybody's vibe is we'd like to have uh some new material but uh you know we've got so many so many songs that we've haven't played in so long and other songs that we've never played you know i, I did Tim pandora's box with, yeah, with I know. my band and the aerosmith has never played it live and uh so there are a lot of things that, that uh come into consideration when you talk about a new record it's like sometimes think about like what's the point you know we've got you know all these songs that we've already written that have been on these albums that we'd love to play that no one's ever heard before you know i mean um i remember when after the run dmc thing a lot of people thought that was our first our first time you know i mean the generations just go by so fast oh yeah and uh so anyway i don't you know I'd like to do it, but, and I certainly, you know, love love recording, and and uh, uh, I could see it happening. But this summer, um, you know, between the the vampires and the and the tour, and then I'd, I'd really like to go out and do some shows with my band, you know, um, around this record. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and that's a great point because the generations have changed. I remember I hosted a show you guys did in Brazil about five, six years ago, and I remember Joey or Brad coming up to me as you were making the set list and saying, you know, here in, in, in South America, they know us from like 
uh, permanent vacation forward. You know, <laughs> just that right. that that yeah. world just got into you guys then. Whereas, you know, I'm I'm going to be the guy always yelling about songs from rocks and get your wings and toys in the attic. So I get that you've it's it's hard to to balance everything. One, one last thing, there was a rumor rumbling around about you guys possibly doing a residency in Vegas. Can you say anything about that? Is there any truth to that for Aerosmith? Um, we've talked about it. Um, definitely, certainly over the years, you know, over the last few years about, about doing something like that. And, uh, um, it, it's still on, on, on deck. Um, nothing is, has been confirmed. I mean, we've thrown different ideas out. Um, um, it's, a, it's like, a uh, you know, a lot of people want to do that and there's only so many venues that work and, uh. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot a lot of uh, moving parts to get it to to happen. So we're, we're still waiting to see. I imagine we'll do it at some point. I can't say when. Does the idea of doing a residency and not having to travel and stay in one place and play shows does that appeal to you at this point? Well, I think that it's um, um, certainly that's part of it. But um, the more important thing is is that we can do a show that we wouldn't be able to do if we we're doing a traditional tour you know building a set tearing it down moving to another city you know um we could do things you know if you're in one place that we could that we could do there and not not do anywhere else and i think that if we were going to do it we would want to make it an event that you wouldn't be able to see anywhere else or else what's the point you know all right. Well, I, 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 for one, certainly hope it happens, and uh, I would love to see it. I just got one question, final question. I see on the screen from from a listener, Robert Massachusetts. Uh, no, Josh in Dallas. One of my favorite and I think most underrated live albums ever is the Aerosmith Live Bootleg album, and everybody had that poster that came in it with you playing that BC Rich, which I think was shot at Giant Stadium. Uh, Josh in Dallas wants to know: being a Les Paul guy, do you still have that BC Rich guitar? Oh uh, yeah, I do. The red one? Um, I'm not saying where it is right now, but I do have it. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, they, they were kind enough to build me a replica of it. So um, that's the one I bring on the road because the old one is, is starting to, you know, kind of show signs of wear. <laughs> and and do you, uh, still have the, you still have the flannel shirt, too, that you were wearing in the, the shot? <laughs> uh, God, I wish I did, you know. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an all-time classic, man, for sure. Well, listen, Joe, I got to run, and I know you got to run as well, and I hope we can do a lot more down the line, man. I'd love to sit with you for a couple hours and work in some calls. Send my best to all the guys in, in all the bands that you're in, because I know many of them. Well, my thanks to Joe Perry of Aerosmith for taking some time out and joining me. It's always a great thrill to talk to Joe and check out his new album, Switzerland Manifesto, which is out there right now with a lot of cool special guests. You just heard us talk all about it. Hopefully that Aerosmith residency happens in Vegas. Always uh, looking forward to going to Vegas for anything, and I'll I'll be living there if Aerosmith is playing there on a long-term basis. That would be incredible. So we'll see how that plan, uh, plays out, and... Um, See what else Joe Perry has cooking as far as Aerosmith and his solo stuff as well. 
And, of course, I'll keep you posted on all fronts. Remember, for me, social media is simply my name, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. You can email me through the site. It's Eddie at EddieTrunk.com. All my appearances are on the homepage. There's music news updated daily. Dana takes care of that for you. All the stuff you care about, just keep an eye on that. All the music news posted there. Uh, My blog, which is the Trunk Report. All my appearances are on the homepage. Next up, it'll be Tulsa on March 3rd at the IDL Ballroom for Slaughter. Get your tickets now at Stubwire, and I'll see you guys there for that. And, of course, a lot of other cool stuff coming up as well. Just keep an eye on that space, and I will let you know as things come in and are confirmed. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode, always free to download or stream, podcastone.com or on iTunes. Have a good week, everybody. third of all murder cases in America remain open. He had told me that if I opened my eyes, he would slit my throat. Each one is called a cold case. The DNA evidence taken from the victim was a match. The linen rapist was at it again. Based on the hit A&E television program. A phone call is placed. One that changes a family's life forever. Cold Case Files, the podcast. If you could see the fire in his eyes, he screamed at me. You want it? Get your tape recorder out. Download new episodes every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.